0: I don't see any of these terms within any of the religious texts. I'm going to name them all right now. Abuse of authority, abuse of corpse, and necrophilia abuse of discretion, abuse of dominance, abuse of indulgences, abuse of information, abuse of power, abuse of process, abuse of rank or rankism, abuse of statistics, abuse of the system, abuse of trust, abuse of supervision, academic abuse, adolescent abuse, adult abuse, alcohol use disorder and binge drinking, animal abuse or animal cruelty, antisocial behavior bullying character assassination child abuse and child neglect parental abuse of children child sexual abuse child on child sexual abuse church abuse civil rights abuse clandestine abuse clerical abuse cyber abuse or cyber bullying dating abuse or dating violence defamation detainee abuse disability abuse discriminatory abuse doctor abuse domestic abuse or domestic violence drug abuse economic abuse elder abuse emotional abuse employee abuse false accusations financial abuse flag abuse the system gaslighting gay abuse or gay bashing harassment hate crimes hazing human rights abuse humiliation and institutional abuse insults intimidation legal abuse lesbian abuse male mall practice market abuse material abuse medical abuse mental abuse military abuse mind abuse and mind control misconduct mobbing Narcissistic abuse, neglect, negligence, nurse abuse or nursing abuse, online abuse, parental abuse by children, passive aggressive behavior, patient abuse, peer abuse, persecution, personal abuse or personal attacks, physical abuse, torture, police abuse, political abuse, prejudice, prison abuse or prisoner abuse, professional abuse, psychological abuse, racial abuse, ragging, rape, racial relational aggression, religious abuse, resident abuse, rudeness, satanic ritual abuse, school bullying, sectarian abuse, self-abuse, sexual abuse, sexual bullying, sibling abuse, smear campaigns, societal abuse, spiritual abuse, spousal abuse, stalking, structural abuse, substance disorder, surveillance abuse, taunting, teacher abuse, teasing, telephone abuse, terrorism, transgender abuse or trans bashing, umpire abuse, Verbal abuse of verbal attacks, whispering campaigns, workplace abuse of workplace bullying, characteristics, and styles of abuse, abusive power control, psychological characteristics of abuses, and effects of abuse on victims, and incest and bestiality. My second set of questions is that how come all of these terms and concepts that I'm about to name to you, how come they're not all directly and compassionately talked about? Which are Abuse of authority, abuse of corpse or necrophilia, abuse of discretion, abuse of dominance, abuse of indulgences, abuse of information, abuse of power, abuse of process, abuse of rank or rankism, abuse of statistics, abuse of the system, abuse of trust, abuse of supervision, academic abuse, adolescent abuse, adult abuse, alcohol use disorder or binge drinking, animal abuse or animal cruelty, antisocial behavior, bullying, character assassination, child abuse or child neglect, parental abuse of children, child sexual abuse, child and child sexual abuse, church abuse, civil rights abuse, clandestine abuse, clerical abuse, cyber abuse, abuse or cyber bullying, dating abuse or dating violence, defamation, detaining abuse, disability abuse, discriminatory abuse, doctor abuse, b- domestic abuse or domestic violence, drug abuse, economic abuse, elder abuse, abuse, emotional abuse, employee abuse, false accusations, financial abuse, flag abuse, gaming the system, gaslighting, gay abuse, gay bashing, harassment, hate crimes, hazing, human rights abuse, humiliation, civility, institutional abuse, insults, intimidation, legal abuse, lesbian abuse, malpractice, practice, market abuse, material abuse, medical abuse, mental abuse, military abuse, mind abuse, and mind control, misconduct, mobbing, narcissistic abuse, neglect, negligence, nurse abuse, and nursing abuse, Online abuse, mental abuse by children, passive-aggressive behavior, patient abuse, peer abuse, persecution, personal abuse or personal attacks, physical abuse, torture, police abuse, political abuse, prejudice, prison abuse or prisoner abuse, professional abuse, psychological abuse, racial abuse, ragging, rape, relational aggression, religious abuse, resident abuse, group and satanic ritual abuse, school bullying, sectarian abuse, self abuse, sexual abuse, sexual bullying, sibling abuse. Smear campaigns, societal abuse, spiritual abuse, spousal abuse, stalking, structural abuse, substance disorder, surveillance abuse, taunting, teacher abuse, teasing, telephone abuse, terrorism, transgender abuse of trans fashion, empire abuse verbal, abuse, verbal abuse, verbal attacks, whispering campaigns, workplace abuse of workplace bullying, characteristics of abuse, abuse of power control, psychological characteristics of abuse and effects of abuse on victims, and incest and bestiality. And my third set of question, my third and final set of question, comes to abuse. But before I get to that, outcome, smoking, and gambling. Impulsive behaviors or even addictions, not directly the fashionly talked about in the religious text. How come the terms smoking and gambling are not in the religious text? How come this concept is not in religious text? And lastly, How come so many houses of worship refuse to deal with their own abuse of authority, their own abuse of corpse and necrophilia, their own abuse of discretion, their own abuse of dominance, their own abuse of indulgences, their own abuse of information, their own abuse of power, their own abuse of process, their own abuse of rank or rankism, their own abuse of statistics, their own abuse of the system, their own abuse of trust? their own abusive supervision, their own academic abuse, their own adolescent abuse, their own adult abuse, their own alcohol use disorder, binge drinking, their own animal abuse or animal cruelty, their own antisocial behavior, their own bullying, their own character assassination, their own child abuse, and, Child neglect, their own parental abuse of children, their own child sexual abuse, their own child and child sexual abuse, their own church abuse, their own civil rights abuse, their own clandestine abuse, their own clerical abuse, their own cyber abuse or cyber bullying, their own dating abuse or dating violence, their own defamation, their own detainee abuse, their own disability abuse, their own discriminatory abuse, their own doctor abuse, their own domestic abuse or domestic violence. Their own drug abuse, their own economic abuse, their own elder abuse, their own emotional abuse, their own employee abuse, their own false accusations, their own financial abuse, their own flag abuse, their own gang their own gaslighting, their own gay abuse or gay bashing, their own harassment their own hate crimes, their own hasting, their own human rights abuses, their own humiliation, their own incivility, their own institutional abuse, their own insults, their own intimidation, their own legal abuse, their own lesbian abuse, their own malpractices, their their own malpractices, their own market abuses, their own material abuses, their own medical abuses, their own mental abuses, their own military abuses, their own mind abuse, their mind control, their own misconduct, their own mobbing their own narcissistic abuse, their own neglect, their own negligence, their own nurse abuse, their nursing abuse, their own online abuse, their own personal abuse by children, their own passive aggressive behavior, their own patient abuse, their own peer abuse, their own persecutions, their own personal abuse or personal attacks, their own physical abuse, their own torture, their own police abuse, their own political abuse, their own prejudices, their own prison abuse or personal abuses, their own professional abuses, their own psychological abuses, their own racial abuse, their own raggings, their own rapes, their own Relational aggressions, their own religious abuses, their own wrestling abuses, their own rudeness, their own satanic ritual abuses, their own school bullying, their own sectarian abuses, their own self abuse, their own sexual abuse, their own sexual bullying, their own sibling abuses, their own smear campaigns, their own societal abuses, their own spousal abuses, their own stalking, their own smoking, their own gambling, their own structural abuses, their own substance use disorders, their own surveillance abuse, their own tauntings their own teacher abuses, their own teasings, their own telephone abuse, their own terrorism, their own transgender abuse or transpassion, their own umpire abuses, their own verbal abuse, verbal attacks, their whispering campaigns, their own workplace abuse or workplace bullying, their own characters and styles of abuse, their own abusive power and control, their own psychological characteristics of abusers, their own effects of abuse on victims, their own incest and their own bestiality. Why is suicide not Directly and compassionately talked about in religious texts. Why do so many houses of worship run from their own history of suicides? And why is the term suicide not in the religious texts? How come the terms theism, monotheism, polytheism, pantheism, panentheism, deism, autotheism, value judgment theisms, euthyisms, dystheisms, maltheisms, misotheisms, nontheisms, and atheisms? How come all those terms are not in the religious text? And how come the terms theism, monotheism, polytheism, pantheism, panentheism, deism, autotheism, value judgment theisms, euthesms, theisms, maltheisms, non-theisms, atheisms, are not directly and compassionately talked about. And how come so many people in house of worship want to run from their polytheism, pantheism, and panentheism, deism, um... Autotheism, value judgment uh, theisms, atheism, dice theism, maltheism, non nontheism, atheism. How come they run from those things about themselves? And when it comes to atheism, we used to believe that a deity is wholly benevolent. How come deep down A lot of people, house of worships, truly doubt that. They make it look like they don't feel that way, but they do. I'm so proud of myself for having this courage to share what's really in my head. How come so many houses of worship refuse to address their contributions to war crimes, genocide, crimes against humanity, the violations of the right to sexuality, the violations of the O.G. principles, the violations of sex workers' rights, um, the violations of the Declaration of Sexual Rights, the violations of the Declaration of Sexual Pleasure, violations of the sexual reproductive health and rights, the violation of LGBT plus rights, the violations of intersex human rights, um, the violations of the freedom from involuntary female genital mutilation, the violations of family planning, the violation of contraceptions, uh, the violation of interracial marriage and interracial relationships, the violation of secular-slash-faith-based relationships, um, the violations of the right to work, right to water, right to social security, right to science and culture, right of return, right to rest and leisure, right of reply, right to public participation, right to property, right to internet access, right to housing, right to a healthy environment, right to health, right to food, right to education, right to development, right to clothing, right to an adequate standard of living, labor rights, fair remuneration, equal pay for equal work and digital rights. Why are they running from all these violations of people's human rights? Why are they running from the fact that they have abortions but they want to act like they were against people who support abortion rights. Why do so many houses of worship do these things? Why are so many houses of worship refusing to admit that they violate the right to homeland, suffrage, security of person, right to truth, right of self defense, right to resist, right to protest, right to privacy? Um. Right to refuse medical treatment. Right to petition. Uh, right to keep and bear arms. Gun control. Right to family life. Right to fair trial. Uh, right of asylum. Presumption of innocence. Personal nationality. Liberty. Uh, legal aid. Uh, freedom from torture. Freedom of thought. Freedom of speech. Freedom from religion. Freedom from slavery. Freedom of religion. Freedom of movement. Freedom, freedom, freedom of information. From discrimination, cruel, inhuman, degrading treatment, freedom of association, freedom of assembly, freedom from arbitrary arrest, detention, inequality before the law, substantive equality, procedural rights, substantive rights. How come so many houses of worship violate, you know? civil and political rights human rights economic social culture rights sexual reproductive rights why isn't right to life and right to die um scientifically clarify with factual evidence within religious texts how come all these terms that i'm about to name to you are not in any of the religious texts which are war crimes genocide crimes against humanity right to sexuality, sexual reproductive health, U.G. E. Carter principles, sex workers' rights, LGBT, plus rights, intersex human rights, freedom from involuntary female genital mutilation, family planning, contraceptives, uh, interracial marriage, interracial relationships, secular faith and slash faith-based marriages, abortion, right to work, right to water, right to social security, right to science and culture, right of return, right to rest and leisure, right of reply, right to public participation, right to property, right to access, right to housing, right to healthy environment, right to health, right to food, right to education, right to development, right to clothing, right to adequate standard of living, labor rights, fair remuneration, equal pay for equal work, digital rights, right to homeland suffrage, security of person, right to truth, right to self-defense, right to persist, Right to refuse medical treatment, right to protest, right to privacy, right to petition, right to life, right to keep and bear arms, gun control, right to family life, right to a fair trial, right to die, right of asylum, presumption of innocence, personhood, nationality, liberty, uh, uh, legal aid, freedom from torture, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom from religion, freedom from slavery, freedom of religion, freedom of movement, freedom of information, freedom from discrimination, cruel, inhuman, degrading treatment or punishment freedom of association, freedom of assembly, freedom for arbitrary arrest and detention and equality before the law. And how come, you know, especially the cruel, inhuman, or degrading, treatment, punishment, how come that term is not in the religious tax? Why is the term cruel, inhuman, cruel, inhuman, or degrading, treatment, punishment not directly incapacitated talked about in religious tax? Why does so many, um, House of Worship refuse to admit they participate in the cruelly human treatment and punishment of many people? And how can so many house of worship refuse to admit these things? All these terms how come all how come the terms human rights, civil, political rights, economic, social culture rights, sexual reproductive rights, and violations of human rights, how come those terms are not in the religious tax? How come all those terms are not directly, compassion, talk about the religious tax? How come so many House of Worship refuse to admit that they contribute to violations of all these rights? And to all the Right, I just named to you, none of them are directly capacity to talk about in the religious texts. None of them, none of these terms are stated within the religious text. And houses the worship to admit that they violate all these rights, all these types of rights that I just named to you. How come the term subject rights, procedure rights subject equality are not directly and talked about in the religious tax. How come all those terms are not stated in religious tax? How come a lot of house of worship, if you submit, they violate substantive rights, procedure rights, substancehood, equality? I notice that in the world of religion, they, they teach you to wallow in disappointment of having healthy and wholesome expectations. How come the terms claim rights, liberty rights, individual group rights, natural rights, legal rights, negative and positive rights, human rights, civil and political rights, economic, social, cultural rights, student generation, human rights, criminal procedure rights, the keys, animal rights, children's rights, consumer protection, Rights, the Deaf Rights Movement, the Blind Rights Movement, the Autism Rights Movement, the Neurodiversity Rights Movement, the Disability Rights Movement, Elder Rights, the International Treatment Plant, Genetic Resource Reform, for Food and Agriculture Farmers Rights, Native Indigenous Rights, Intersex Human Rights, Divine Right of Kings, LGBTQI plus rights, Transgender Rights, Men's Rights Movement, Minority Rights, Parents' rights movement, the mother's rights movement, the father's rights movement, the patients' bill of rights, patients' rights, the Declaration of the Rights of Testament, UN, DROP, plant rights, prisoners' rights, robots' rights, the ethics of artificial intelligence, states' rights, students' rights, student rights, in higher education, victims' rights, women's rights, work, labor rights, workers' rights, youth rights. Uh, freedom of of peaceful assembly freedom of association the right of asylum civil liberties digital rights right to education right to a fair trial right to food free migration open immigration right to health right to housing linguistic rights freedom of movement mobility rights the right to travel right to property reproductive rights rest and leisure the right to rest and leisure abortion rights the right of self defense, the right of the people to self determination, freedom of speech, right to sexuality, and the human right to water and sanitation. How come none of those terms are stated in the religious text? How come none of those terms are directly and compassionately talked about? And how come there is a violation? of all these rights when it comes to so many houses of worship I don't see the divine right of kings mandated by Jesus in the Bible I don't see plant rights mandated by Jesus in the Bible. I don't see the artificial intelligence and robot rights mandated by Jesus in the Bible. I don't see animal rights mandated by Jesus in the Bible. And that is profoundly troubling to me. more. As Americans with disabilities turn 30, barriers remain, Helen Sherman. When you think about marginalized communities, who do you envision? Most Americans do not think to include a key group, people with disabilities. This week marks a major milestone for this marginalized community with the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The ADA prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities in employment, education, transportation, any places that is open to the general public. At the bill signing ceremony for legislation, uh, President George H.W. Bush held the ADA as the end to the unjustified segregation and exclusion of persons with disabilities from the mainstream of American life. And indeed, the ADA has been monumental in giving more opportunities to Americans with disabilities in all facets of public life. Still, steep hurdles remain in the fight for equality. From personal experience, these are all facts, painful facts. Significant employment gap. The ADA defined a disability as any physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more life activities. By that standard, an estimated one in four Americans with a disability. Legislation gave legal protection to anyone with a disability on with race, color, sex, and other protected classes. In plain terms, the ADA made it illegal for employers to discriminate or deny employment to otherwise qualified individuals on the basis of their disability. The law also required employers to provide reasonable accommodation to otherwise qualified individuals with disabilities for job applicants or employees, as long as those accommodations don't create undue hardship. These provisions have gone a long way in ensuring individuals with disabilities are afforded the same employment opportunities as their non-disabled peers. Still, fewer than 20% of adults with disabilities were employed in 2019, compared to 66% of those without a disability. The fact that people with disabilities seem to be older than those without explains some of this discrepancy. However, the employment gap is prevalent across all age groups. In addition, 32% of employees with disability work only part-time compared to 17% of non-disabled employees. This is my reality and I am high functioning on the autism spectrum. And this happens to people who are considered low functioning, but functioning is controversial. I'm just being real. Pervasive stereotypes. There are a vast amount of stereotypes that keep companies from hiring, said April Allen, program director at My Possibilities, nonprofit organization in Plano, Texas that offers vocational education and job placement services for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Employees will think that the accommodation would be too expensive, but they really average about $500. Additionally, Allen said many employers have pre- preconceived notion that disabled people can't learn or be able to do the job well or at all, but reality is far different. has been proved that for the adults we place job turnover is so low, she said, they're so disastrous by having a job loyal and they stay there, for many it's their first paycheck. See how cruel society is? People with disabilities, not disabled people, and people on the autism spectrum is better. This is one area where the letter of ADA law can only do so much. Stereotypes talks about people with disabilities are still pervasive in many parts of society. The task that remains is about breaking down those biases, as Alan said. Absolutely. Reasonable accommodations. Another news is increasing education about the reasonable accommodation division of the ADA such as who lives in New Mexico and has cerebral palsy. She struggled in the workplace because she didn't know how to ask her employer for accommodations that would have helped her. I was taught that you live in the world the way it is and you don't ask the world to bend to, she says. So when it came to professional work, work environment where you can't ask for those things, I didn't even think to ask. The only thing in my head was you have to work harder. Maybe if I had things would be different. Disparity in employment rates between disabled and disabled Americans has significant downstream effects. And this is but one example of the systemic challenges of people to spill in And we're not even taught our rights. And I'm gonna go back to the human rights thing all those human rights concepts are named churches don't admit that all the human rights concepts i told you about they violate the all kinds of human rights even the house of worship i just wanted to clarify that let me keep going educational disparities economic outcomes the challenges begin even before individuals with disabilities into the labor force in 2018 the percentage of individuals with disabilities who earned a bachelor's degree was less than half that of individuals without disabilities have entering the labor force, of the spread is even starker. 57% less than people without disabilities who have similar educational backgrounds, according to American Institute for Research. Among full time workers with disabilities, over half of 554 in 2018, there for those without disabilities. Among individuals with post secondary degrees, Peer Disabilities make 20,000 less than their non-disabled peers. A disproportionate number of people with disabilities are impoverished. 2018 estimated 26% of the individuals with disabilities were living in poverty, nearly double the percentage of the non-disabled population. So then you've got health disparities. Individuals with disabilities often have more frequent, more significant, more complex health issues than non-disabled individuals. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, adults with disabilities are three times more likely to develop chronic diseases such as heart disease, strokes, Diabetes or cancer in adults without disabilities are less likely to receive ne- needed preventive screenings such as mammograms. Yet, according to a 2019 study, less than half, about 46% of individuals with disabilities, have private health insurance, compared with nearly 76% of those without disabilities. This again reflects a stark employment disparities that still exist. Exclusion from some aspects of public life, the ADA required all public places to be accessible to those with disabilities. Indeed, many now include accessibility aids such as ramps, automatic door openers, wider restroom doors, and braille signs, but exceptions exist notably in in older or historic buildings and those in which making such modifications would create undue hardship on the building owner. However, the ADA exempted exempted churches from making their buildings accessible. Many old church buildings are inaccessible and in ADA does require churches to conform, have Ben Rose Director of Academic Engagement with Christian and still on disability at Johnny and Friends and an organization dedicated to ministry outreach and the people with start disability. A lot because the churches, those churches requested to be excluded. And I understand more of why I'm unchurched, in church, non church and de church. Think of the message that sends not just to the, to the disciples to the disabled but to the elderly, wrote said, If you're physically not able to get in the building or feel welcome, how many times are you going to keep coming back? A journey in our destination, three decades after the ADA's passage into business disabilities and athletes can fight for equality? We have a long way to go, Alex said, but the ADA has paved the way. There's been so much advocacy, whether it be in employment or education, which a great really strides to give people disabilities a voice. Helen German is a professional writer and editor in Dallas who is paralyzed from the knee down due to spinal. Fata and is a wheelchair use as a result Can a bachelor's degree in journalism prevailing diversity networks and corporate communication see Keep this feelings. we are the most able-bodied people we know in a profound thinking sense according to our inner beauty and we are of outer beauty too hmm so well, Here's my last article, then I'm concluding the episode. America's Disabilities Face Unemployment Poverty Rates Twice the National Average. Curtis Ramsey, Lucas, April 6, 2022. The America's Disabilities Act was signed into law by President George H.W. Bush July 26, 1990. For the first time, the U.S. History Unification was offered at such an event. It took long enough. 1990, America, 1776. Damn. Harold Wilk, a minister in the United Church of Christ who have been born armed with disability rights activists, prayed that God will strengthen our resolve as we take up the task, knowing our work has just begun. As joyous an occasion as it was with more than 3,000 people in attendance, Wilk understood it was the beginning, not the end of the struggle. For access and inclusion for people with disabilities, nearly 30 years later, Wilk's words have proved prophetic. Today, more students with disabilities graduate from high school than ever before. Cub Kurts and other improvements facilitate mobility. Those using wheelchairs can find seating to attend a theater or a sporting event. Movie theaters, television, streaming services now offer captioning. Advances communication technology continue to improve access to knowledge and information with reforms in healthcare have improved access to long-term services that help people with disabilities lead healthy lives. Yet America's disabilities continue to face unemployment, poverty rates twice. The national average in discrimination in many areas including employment, transportation, and education. In 2021, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 19.1% of persons with disabilities were employed, while for persons without a disability, 63.7% were employed. Across all age groups and education levels, persons with disabilities experience higher rates of unemployment. Ensuring people with disabilities have the same access and opportunity to enjoy the same civil rights protections as people without disabilities is a moral imperative. It's the right thing to do. It's also good business. According to a century 2018 report, getting to equal disability inclusion advantage companies that embrace best practices for employing people with disabilities achieve 28% higher revenue, double the net income, and 30% higher profit margins over a four-year period. Including people with disabilities increases innovation, improves productivity, fosters a better working environment. Religious investors can advance disability inclusion by encouraging their portfolio companies to embrace best practice for employing people with disabilities. To start, they can encourage companies to utilize a third-party benchmarking tool such as Disability Equity Index, DEI, the possess their disability inclusion practices. Religious investors can sign a joint investor statement on corporate disability inclusion, an effort led by New York State Comptroller Thomas B. Dinapoli and Oregon State Treasurer Tobias Red. Meanwhile, religious investors can work to advance disability inclusion within their own institutions religious entities with 15 or more employees are covered by title I of the ADA and may not discriminate against qualified applicants and employees with disabilities a religious entity may however give preference to individuals of its own religion and may require that all applicants and employees follow the entities religious rules additionally members of the clergy and other employees who perform essentially religious duties such as conducting religious ritual worship or instruction are generally excluded from the protection of the ADA and other employment discrimination laws the heartlessness, even in world of religion, is just as heartless as in the in the real world. That's what I'm saying. The ministerial exception, which only applies to employees perform ministerial functions, limits government interference with the free exercise of religion, is well established by the courts. That said, just because the law grants religious entities an, except, an exception, doesn't mean they must take advantage of it. Religious employers can go beyond what the law allows to improve employment opportunities with disabilities, including positions of leadership and ministerial roles. As Attorney General, Dick Thornbar, Thornburg played a critical role in passing the day. He called it truly another emancipation, not only for Americans' disabilities who would directly benefit, but even more so for the rest of us, now free to benefit from the, now free to benefit from the contributions which these Americans will make to our economy our community life or individual well-being. The to properly understood disability inclusion as a matter of justice, not charity, benefiting all Americans, not just those with disabilities. Other organization in question, is a for profit corporation or non profit entity, disability inclusion is not about what we have to give, rather, disability inclusion is about what we have to gain by removing barriers to the contributions people with disabilities will make to our, our common our American life and our individual well being. Kurt Ramsay Lucas, editor of Christian Citizen, This column is adapted from a presentation of religious investors at the Spring 2022 Conference of the Interfaith Center on Corporate Responsibility. Sounds like the people with the real disabilities are the ones who abide by society instead of people like me. these things for my own healing and this will help other people heal religion teaches cynicism religion teaches defeatism religion teaches nihilism religion teaches pessimism religion Teaches reclusion. Religion teaches Welt schmerz, which is a literary concept describing the feeling experienced by individual beliefs that reality can never satisfy the expectations of the mind, resulting in a mood of weariness or sadness about life rising from the acute awareness of evil and suffering. Religion teaches a false sense of optimism. Religion teaches toxic positivity. Religion teaches comfort addiction. Religion teaches approval addiction. Religion teaches ambition addiction. Religion teaches tribalism. Religion teaches people how to be transactional. Religion teaches elitism. Religion teaches nepotism. Religion teaches cronyism. Religion teaches fatalism. Religion teaches solipsism. Religion teaches predestination. Religion teaches fallibilism. Religion teaches determinism. Religion teaches discrimination. Religion teaches bigotry. Religion teaches prejudice. Religion teaches judgmentalism. Religion teaches hypocrisy. Religion teaches double dipping. Religion teaches double dipping. Religion teaches double mindedness. Religion teaches small mindedness. Religion teaches one-track mindedness. Religion teaches narrow mindedness. Religion teaches people to live a life of worry. Religion teaches people to live a life of chronic stress. Religion teaches people to live a life of psychological stress. Religion teaches people to live a life of spite or spitefulness religion teaches people to live a life of sorrow religion teaches people to live a life of shock or acute stress disorder religion teaches people to live a life of shame religion teaches people to live a life of saying sucked which in german noun translates longing desire yearning or craving Religion teaches people to live a life of shot and fude, which is the experience of pleasure, joy, and self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, and humiliation of another. Religion teaches people to live a life of sardade, sardade, which is an emotional state of melancholic or profoundly nostalgic longing, or something that one loves despite it not necessarily being real. Right. Religion teaches people to live a life of melancholia or melancholy. Religion teaches people to live a life of sadness. Religion teaches people to live a life of resentment. Um, religion teaches people to be obsessed with social rejection and rejection. Religion teaches people to guilt trip themselves and call them regrets. Religion teaches people to live a life of rage. Religion teaches vanity and vain glory. Religious, religion teaches people to insult and to be insulted. Religion teaches people to live life pubers, or less frequently hybrids, describes personality quality of extreme or excessive pride or dangerous overconfidence, often combination with arrogance. Religion teaches people to live a life of grandiosity. Religion teaches people to live a life of pride. Religion teaches people to live a life of self-pity. Religion teaches people to live a life of pity. Religion teaches people to live a life of panic. Religion teaches people to live a life of fake outrage. Religion teaches people to live a life of neglect. Religion teaches people to live a life of insecurity. Emotional insecurity too. Religion teaches people to live a life of isolation. Religion teaches people to live a life of jealousy. Religion teaches people to live a life of loneliness. Religion teaches people to live a life of hysteria. Religion teaches people to live a life of humiliation. Religion teaches people to live a life of fear. Religion teaches people to live a life of frustration. Religion teaches people to be obsessed with gratification. Religion teaches people to live a life of greed. Religion teaches people how to inappropriately handle grief. Religion teaches people to live a life of guilt. Religion teaches people to live a life of hatred. Religion teaches people to live a life of Perea. It's a Welsh word that has no direct English translation. The University of Wales Lampeter likes it to a homesickness tinged with grief and sadness with the loss of the departed, especially in the context of Wales and Welsh culture. Religion teaches people to live a life of hostility. Religion teaches people to live a life of horror. And religion teaches people to live a life of home sickness. Religion teaches people to be obsessed with happiness. Religion teaches people to be obsessed with excitement. Religion teaches people to be obsessed with limerence. Religion teaches people to... Live a life of unhealthy type of lust. Religion teaches people a warped sense of passion. Religion teaches people a warped sense of wonder. Religion teaches people the unhealthy type of wonder. Religion teaches people that have trust issues. Religion teaches people how to abuse sympathy. Religion teaches unpleasant surprises in life. Religion teaches people to be sadistic towards themselves and others, as well as to be morbid about suffering or pain. Religion teaches people a warped sense of social connection Religion teaches people to be teaches people to be of debilitating shyness, not the healthy shyness. Religion teaches people how to abuse sentimentality. Religion teaches people to live a life of unethical pleasure and to abuse the gift of pleasure. Religion teaches people to to wallow in remorse and to never climb out of it. Religion teaches people an unethical sense of relief. Religion teaches people how to warp love. Religion teaches people a delusional sense of quote-unquote kindness. Religion teaches people how to live a life of false joy. Religion teaches people how to be of irritation and how to be of irritability. Religion teaches people a busybody, nosy sense of interest. Religion teaches m- morbid inspiration. Religion teaches people a la-la-land view of infatuation or being smitten. Religion teaches people how to be of unethical hedonism and to live a life of overindulgence. Religion teaches people how to live a life of non-stop hygiene. Which is a word in Danish and Norwegian that describes a mood of coziness and a comfortable conviviality with feelings of wellness and contentment. Religion teaches people a warped sense of euphoria. Religion teaches people how to live a life of envy. Religion teaches people a warped sense of enthusiasm. Religion teaches people how to live a life of warped enthrallment and warped attention. Religion teaches people how to live a life of emptiness, generalized boredom, social alienation, and apathy. Religion teaches people how to live lives that are filled with emptiness. Dystemia, depression, loneliness, and hindonia, despair, other mental emotional disorders, schizoid personality disorder, traumatic stress disorder, um, borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder. And religion teaches people to be shameful of having attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Disney uh, special disorder and having Down syndrome, or seeing eye dogs, or wearing glasses. Religion teaches people. To live a delusional sense of empathy religion teaches people the fear of vicarious embarrassment religion teaches people how to fear embarrassment or awkwardness religion teaches people how to pretend that they don't have doubts religion teaches people to live a life of distrust and mistrust. And religion teaches people how to live a life of disgust. Religion teaches people how to wallow in disappointments and to never climb out of it. Religion teaches people how to hate themselves for having desires, wants, wishing, longing, and craving. Religion teaches people to live a life of delusional gratitude, delusional thankfulness, or delusional gratefulness. Religion teaches people how to flow, stay also known as being in the zone. When it comes to material things, not spiritual things. Religion teaches people how to live a life of fake faith. Religion teaches people to live a life of cruelty. Religion teaches people to live a life of defeat. Religion teaches people how to be ashamed of their curiosity. Religion teaches people how to live a life of consistent depression without consistent correct help for the depression religion shames people for even feeling depression religion teaches people how to live a life of arrogant anger and to make anger out to be sinful religion teaches people how to be scandalous with biological attractions Religion teaches people, to, teaches people how to live a life of confusion. Religion teaches people how to live a life of contempt. Religion teaches people a delusional sense of compassion and self-compassion. Religion teaches people how to live a life of apathy, anxiety, annoyance, anguish, angst, and agony. Religion teaches people how to live a life of materialistic anticipation, not spiritual anticipation. Religion teaches people how to be in awe of the living large lifestyle. Religion teaches people to live a life of The arousal of the American dream, but not Martin Luther King Jr.'s, I have a dream. Religion teaches people a warped sense of acceptance, a warped sense of admiration, a warped sense of adoration, a warped sense of aesthetic emotions, a warped sense of affection. And religion teaches people how to live a life of agitation. Religion teaches people a delusional sense of hope. Religion teaches people a warped sense of courage and a warped sense of contentment and a warped sense of calmness and a warped sense of confidence. Warps and religion teaches people to live life with boredom. And I have more thoughts regarding religion. Within the world of religion, here are things that I noticed. A lot of people in the world of religion have narcissistic personality disorder traits. For example, a lot of people in church have a grandiose sense of self-importance. A lot of people in church have a preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. But in some, you know, in the church, in the church, there are people that are believing that they are "quote unquote" special and unique, and can only be understood by or should associate with other special, high-status people, institutions. A lot of people in the church have. this attitude of requiring excessive admiration a lot of people in the church have a sense of entitlement unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with their expectations a lot of people in the church are the type that are being interpersonally exploitative taking advantage of others to achieve their own ends A lot of people in the church are lacking empathy, unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. A lot of people in the church are often being envious of others or believing that others are envious of them. A lot of people in church are showing arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. In church, there are a lot of people who often appear dramatic, emotional, or erratic. A lot of people in church are unprincipled narcissists. Deficient, conscious, unscrupulous, amoral, disloyal, fraudulent, deceptive, arrogant, exploited a con artist and charlatan dominating contemptuous vindictive a lot of people in church are amorous narcissists sexually seductive enticing beguiling tantalizing blib and clever disinclined to real intimacy indulges hedonistic desires bewitches and and bad others Pathological lying and swindling tends to have many affairs, often with exotic partners. A lot of people in church are compensatory narcissists. Seeks to counteract or cancel out deep feelings of inferiority and lack of self-esteem. Offsets deficits by creating illusions of being superior, exceptional, admirable, noteworthy, self-worth results from self-enhancement. A lot of people in church are... Elitist narcissist feels privileged and empowered by virtue of special childhood status and pseudo-achievements. Entitled facade bears little relation to reality. Seeks favor and good life. Is upwardly mobile. Cultivates special status and advantages by association. A lot of people in church are what is called normal narcissists Least severe, most interpersonally concerned and empathetic, still entitled and deficient. In reciprocity, bold in environment, self-confident, competitive. Seeks high target social talent in leadership positions, and expecting recognition from others. Yep, compensatory narcissist. What I said earlier. A lot of people in church have an oversensitive temperament, and individual differences of behavior, maybe at birth. A lot of church people have excessive admiration that is never balanced with realistic criticism. A lot of people in church feel the quote-unquote need for excessive praise for good behaviors or excessive criticism for bad behaviors in childhood. A lot of people in church are of overindulgence and overvaluation by family abuse. A lot of people in church have been praised by adults for perceived exceptional physical appearance or, or abilities. A lot of people in church deal with trauma caused by psychological abuse, physical abuse, or sexual abuse in childhood. A lot of people in church are of unpredictable or unreliable parental caregiving. A lot of people in church are learning the behaviors of psychological manipulation from parents or peers. A lot of church people have psychosocial strategies, such as the tendency to devalue and derogate, to insult and blame other people, usually with anger and hostility towards people's responses to their antisocial behavior. A lot of church people live lives of shame, humiliation, worthlessness, or reminded instances of their lives, and imagine personal slights. Usually, master feelings for people by feigning humility, responding with outbursts of rage and defiance, or seeking revenge. A lot of church people do these things. A lot of. And a lot of people. And church. are the people that just allow the narcissist to run amok. A lot of people in church live lives of egotism, egomania. people are filled with narcissistic rage aloofness mild irritation annoyance serious outbursts violent attacks depressive episodes paranoid delusion and cataclysmic And they're self deprecating to the point of extremism, and they're filled with narcissistic supply Mm -hmm. within church, and their defense mechanisms show that they have megalomania rooted within, listening to respond, listening to be it, and listening to get attacked, listening to attack. of people in church suffer from the superiority complex messiah complex machiavellianism and god complex they suffer from Collective Narcissism, Narcissistic Parenthood, Narcissistic Leadership, Narcissism in Workplace. And the church has its own Don Juan Syndrome, which is a non-clinical term for desire to man. Sex with many different female partners. A lot of them value arrogant compensation, no requirement for empathy, the entitlement syndrome, and the emphasis on grandiosity. a lot of them experience malignant narcissism the Dorian Gray Syndrome DGS the Dark Triad narcissistic modification narcissistic elation narcissistic neurosis Narcissistic injuries Narcissistic withdrawal And the narcissistic personality inventory as well A lot of them suffer from eccentricity, hat loose personality disorder, immature personality disorder, fast aggressive personality disorder, psychoneurotic and neurosis. A lot of them have schizoid personality disorder. Paranoid personality disorder, schizoid personality disorder, emotionally unstable personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, avoidant personality disorder ABPD, and anacastic or like obsessive-compulsive personality disorder two, and they have depressive personality disorder and they have type of personality disorder. A lot of church people suffer from these things. A lot of them have sadistic personality disorder too. And a lot of them have borderline personality, personality disorder as well. Churches, there is destructive narcissism, a grandiose sense of self confidence, a desire for power, wealth, and admiration is rooted in pursuit, pursues powers at all costs, lacks normal inhibitions in its pursuit. The relationships are concerns limited to expressing socially appropriate response when convenient, devalues, and exploit others without remorse their ability to follow a consistent path is rooted in lax values, easily bored, often changes course. Their foundation is from a traumatic childhood, undercutting true sense of self-esteem and slash learning that they don't need to be considerate of others. of churches have personality disorder for example a lot of churches have individuals with antisocial personality disorder tend to display a superficial charm that helps to disarm others giving a good likable first impression if someone likes another person they're much more apt to comply with them because they lack empathy they see other people's instruments and in pawns the effects of this lack of empathy essentially gives them a grandiose sense of self-worth. Due to their callous and unemotional traits, they are well suited to con and slash or manipulate others into complying with their wishes. There are a lot of people in church who are individuals with borderline, borderline personality disorder who tend to ex- display black and white thinking and are sensitive to others' attitudes toward them. Being so adverse to rejection may give the motivation to gain compliance in order to control perception of others. A lot of people in church are individuals with histrionic personality disorder need to be the center of attention and in turn draw people in so they may use to eventually dispose of their relationship. A lot of people in church are individuals with narcissistic personality disorder who have an inflated self-importance, hypersensitivity to criticism, and a sense of entitlement that compels them to persuade others to comply with their requests. To maintain their self-esteem and protect their vulnerable true selves, narcissists need to control the behavior of others, particularly that of their children, seen as extensions of themselves. A lot of people in church or individuals with sadistic personality disorder derive pleasure from the distress caused by their aggressive, demeaning, and cruel behavior toward others. They have poor ability to control their reactions and become enraged by minor disturbances, with some sadists being more severely abusive. These are wide-ranged behaviors to inappropriately control others, ranging from hostile glances, threats, humiliation, coercion, and restricting the autonomy of others. Often the purpose of their behavior is to control and intimidate others. The sadistic individuals are likely rigid in their beliefs and tolerant of other races or other outgroups, authoritarian and malevolent. They may seek positions which they are able to exert power over others, such as a judge army sergeant and psychiatrists who misuse their positions of power to control and brutalize others. For instance, a psychiatrist may institutionalize a patient by misusing mental health legislation. In church, there are a lot of people, who are manipulators and abusers, who may control their victims with a range of attacks, including but not limited to positive reinforcements such as praise, superficial charm, flattery, ingratiation, love bombing, smiling, gifts, attention, negative reinforcement, taking away aversive task or items, intermittent or partial reinforcement, psychological punishments such as nagging, silent treatment, swearing, threats, intimidation, emotional blackmail, guilt trips, inattention, and traumatic tactics such as verbal abuse or explosive anger. There are a lot of people in church who experience the vulnerabilities that the victim are exploited, with those who are particularly vulnerable being most often selected as targets. Traumatic bonding can occur between abusers and victims as a result of ongoing cycles of abuse in which the intermittent reinforcement of reward and punishment creates powerful emotional bonds that are resistant that are resistant to change in a climate of fear. An attempt may be made to normalize, legitimize, rationalize, deny, or minimize the abusive behavior, or to blame the victims for it. Based on statistical evidence, certain personality disorders correlate with abusive tendencies of individuals with those Specific personality disorders who are who also compiled with abusive childhoods themselves. So, there are a lot of churches who have abusive power and control, also controlling babies and coercive control, which babies by an abusive person to gain and maintain control over another person. Abuses are commonly motivated by devaluation, envy, personal gain, personal gratification, psychological projection, or the enjoyment of exercise and power control. The victims of this paper are often subject to psychological, physical, mental, sexual, or financial abuse. And in the church, There's a lot of adult to adult narcissistic abuse, abuse of power, battered person syndrome, blackmail, bullying, child grooming, coercion, control of time and power relationships, control freak cycle of violence, divide and rule. Domestic violence, economic abuse, elder abuse, emotional blackmail, enabling, expressions of dominance, extortion, human trafficking, institutional abuse, intimidation, intimate partner violence, intimate relationships, isolation, to facilitate abuse, love bombing, mind control, mind games, minimization, psychology, narcissism in the workplace, narcissistic parents, oppression, the violation of personal boundaries, violation of professional boundaries, uh, protection, racket, psychological abuse psychological manipulation, psychopathic in the workplace, serial killers, sharp powers, silent treatment, struggles, sessions, denunciation rallies, victim blaming, victim playing, workplace bullying, sex, sex, some as well. So, for example, in the church, there are people who are the abused that think the violence was their fault. The abuse has an inability to place the responsibility for the violence elsewhere. The abuse fears for their life and slash for the lives of loved ones who the abuser might has threatened to harm. Example, children in common, close relatives or friends. The abuse has an irrational belief that the abuser is omnipresent and omniscient. hmm this is so much that they keep hitting and I'm willing to expose it all okay I'll read this to you all was it rape Comment about David and Bathsheba sparked debate of biblical proportions. Bob Allen is the author. Abuse survivor victims advocate Rachel Den Hollander said a lot last week said a lot at last week's Caring Well Conference, sponsored by the Southern Baptist Convention Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, but perhaps nothing grabbed attention like her advice to use care when interpreting Bible stories such as the Old Testament tale of David and Bathsheba. David didn't fornicate, David raped, said the attorney and stay-at-home mother who rose to national fame as witness witnessing the trial of serial abuser, former USA Gymnastics team doctor Larry Nassar. The reference is to the account in the 11th chapter of the second book of Samuel where David, a heroic figure in the Hebrew Bible, spies a woman bathing on a neighbor's rooftop. He sends for her while her husband is away at war gets her pregnant and then seeks to cover his sin by applying the husband's murder. While the narrative focuses on the interaction between David, Uriah, and ultimately the prophet Nathan, it is not uncommon for preachers to portray Bathsheba as a femme fatale. If you understand the power dynamics and you understand the Hebrew and you look at the Levitical examples and discussion of rape and you will understand what Nathan is saying in this parable, it is abundantly clear from the text that David raped. It said, Den Hollander, whose husband, Jacob Den Hollander is a Ph.D. student at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. The comment expanded on something she had said on Twitter on October 3rd in response to the Bible characters who sinned, which includes, example, of David fornicated. David raped, and Den Hollander's tweeted. It's important we get that right. The Twitterverse exploded. I love what the Den Hollanders have done for victim awareness. But this kind of thing is a perfect example of why it's really dangerous to let your own experiences cloud the way you read and understand scripture. Commented pastor Chicago. I would, here's my response The pastor contributes to victim blaming culture, that pastor contributes to victim shaming culture. Let's keep reading. Jacob Den Hollander rushed to his spouse's defense. You can disagree with her interpretation of scripture without disparaging her as being too emotional to properly interpret scripture or speak on this issue of clarity, replied, you simply assume she's too clouded on the basis that you disagree. That's unfair and dismissive. I agree with Jacob strongly. Others charged the cup with reading modern views into an ancient text. If she wasn't a willing participant, she could have simply refused and dealt the consequences in male common to argue this as being bachima arguing, arguing against viewing Bathsheba as blameless in the affair. Countless people have chosen death over violating their own consequences. Countless people have chosen death over violent their own consciousness. I would say that that guy is completely ignorant when it comes to abusive power control dynamics. There was no enthusiastic consent back then all women back then were considered slaves even the women that were given more power than other women it's a patriarchal culture so whether you say yes or no they're gonna get what they want anyway so that male commenter needs to understand that it's not easy to say no and live with the outcome of the no that you say because he's the king he could have anybody killed that he wanted to right so again that's minimizing the pain of actual victims that's dismissing the pain of victims and that passing those got that other guy you know commentator need to actually take sensitivity training classes. If she's not dead, it means she's an adulterous woman, Mr. Denhalder paraphrased his reply. Hmm. Still others point out that gender bias applies to equal to both women. <laughs> The woman who grew up being taught that Bathsheba purposely bathed and viewed the king to get his attention called it the Sunday school version of what were you wearing when you were assaulted? That is absolutely true. And there's nothing wrong with reading modern views of ancient texts because it means that there's more wisdom than even what the Bible writers were conveying. Hmm. The Hollanders aren't the first Baptist couple to approach the problem of massages and greetings of the story of David and Bathsheba. David Garland, the dean of the George W. Truett Theological Seminary, and wife, Diana Garland, dean of Baylor School of Social Work, who died of cancer, discussed in their book, Flawed Families of the Bible, How God's Grace Works in Perfect Relationships, published in 2007 artists and interpreters over the centuries have turned this particular woman into a painted sex kitten who bewitched a divinely chosen king the goddess in the chapter excerpt reprinted with permission in the baylor school of social works journal they accused her of deliberately choosing to bathe in a place where she knew she could be seen by the king the author said they imagine her caught parading around naked to catch the king's eyes the consequence of this portrayal of the scene David seems almost a helpless victim in the sights of a conniving vixen determined to seduce him. So, here's what I learned. A lot of religious people are afraid of the human sexuality of women. And they give themselves this learned helplessness when it comes to the homosexuality of men, so men can be animals. That's how they define men being fully human. A woman being fully human means that, oh, she's a thingamajig that causes erections. Wow. The Garland said that Petra populized with much artistic license in 1951 movie David Bathsheba featuring Gregory Peck and Susan Hayward is not supported by scripture, which is true. In the Bible, they said Bathsheba is not taking a bubble bath and lo- or lounging in the hot tub, but a required ritual washing at the conclusion of her menstrual period. There is not even a reason to assume she was naked, they said, because if she were in public view, she would have washed without disrobing public nudity was not acceptable in this ancient jewish culture but instead was considered shameful the garland said there's no foundation for assuming she was some kind of exhibitionist thank you gar- the garlands thank you male dominated cultures like Bathsheba's and our own teach women that they're responsible for men's lust they said women may think it may have been told that their behavior folks is responsible men Somehow they have telegraph availability messages. As a consequence, when men lust after them, some women feel guilty. Somehow they think they have caused a sexual harassment, unwanted sexual come-ons, or touching, or even a rape. And it's also, it's also inhumane that women are made to feel like they have to make themselves physically ugly, so men will not find them visually appealing, so they won't Get the quote unquote historical Bathsheba treatment mistreatment. The garland said nothing. The Bible story suggests Bathsheba's compliance with the king's order was voluntary. She was his subject and she knew his sterling reputation as God's appointed leader. A man purportedly just and righteous, they said. She did not know about the vermin crawling around beneath the floodboards of his religious facade and reputation. She did not know that he was capable of stooping so low to trap a user to satisfy his burning lust. The setup was completely continued, but by acquiescing the goat, the king's message she found herself in a compromising position alone with the king. Who would believe her, should she accuse him of any wrongdoing? It was her word against his, and he was the great king. She was only a woman. There was no escape. Yes! Thank you for being historically truthful, the garlands. That she who was sent for and was taken, the Garland said, this was no sexual affair. An affair assumes mutual consent. There is no indication or even possibility for consent. She was in a position that rendered her powerless to give consent. They said her portrayal in the public imagination only compounds the injustice of her rape by making her a seductress rather than a victim of the king's abuse. She was beautiful and desirable to a lecherous monarch. But that does not make her an adulteress, they said. She did not ask for this. The problem with sin is that it does not simply affect the one who commits it. The fallout spreads to innocent and guilty alike. Though guiltless, the victim suffers punishment. And they make the victims feel guilty. That survivor guilt. Perhaps since David's biblical hero, readers want to clear him of any unscrupulous behavior, the garlands concluded. And when pastors abuse their power, people want to turn a blind eye or make excuses for him. What are my thoughts? I David did rape Bathsheba. I strongly believe that. I strongly agree with that. That's why I don't call him King David. And that's why I don't ignore Bathsheba nor her pain there's another article to read Decline of Christianity shows no signs of stopping. New study projects that religious identity in the US will drop below fifty percent by twenty seventy. Daniel Silliman Pew Research Center isn't ruling really out a future religious revival in America, but given the country study trends away from faith affiliations, experts don't know what it will look like. Analyzing surveys about religious identity, religious critical fiction going back to nineteen seventy two, trying to project the American religious landscape out to the year 2070, they can't even say what demographic signs might indicate a coming swell of conversions. We've never seen it, we don't have the data to model a religious reversal, peace senior. Researcher Stephanie Kramer told CT, there are some who say that revival never happens in an advanced economy. After secularization, you can't put toothpaste back in the tube, but we don't know that, we just don't have the data. The data they do have from 50 years of research by the General Social Survey and Pew's own survey of $15,000 in 2019 indicates the current trend is inexorable. People are giving up on Christianity. They'll continue to do so if you're trying to predict the future religious landscape in America, according to Pew. The question is not whether Christianity will decline, it's how fast and how far. A new study out today, Pew, projects that in 2070, Christians will likely make up less than half. The US population. Wow. Wow. And the reason why I think that is true um, is because of. The successful attempts to hijack the content of Jesus by slave owners, Trumpism, the Crusades, the Inquisition the colonizers, and the imperialists, as well as the Dark Ages. Then it says, Currently, 64% of people say they are Christian, but nearly a third of those raised Christian eventually switch to quote-unquote none or nothing in particular. Only about 20% of those raised without religion become Christian. That ratio of switching retains at a steady pace in roughly half a century, on about 46% of Americans will identify as Christian. If the rate of switching continues to accelerate as that since the 1990s, the percent calling themselves Christians will drop 35. The rate of change could also slow down. Trends don't tend to continue forever, Kramer said. And there's probably core Christians who are committed, never going anywhere. That's actually true. If if you know there'll always be Christians, there'll always be people of all the other faiths as well. If the future takes that path, he predicts slightly less than 40% of the population will say they're Christian in 2070. While the scenarios in this report vary in the extent of religious dissipation, they project the study says they'll show Christians continuing to shrink as a share of the U.S. population, even under the counterfactual assumption that all switching came to a complete stop in 2020. Few of the people, belief in Christianity, appear to be joining other religions in the today. Jews, Muslims, Hindus, and all non-Christian folks account for about six percent of the population. There isn't enough information for researchers to isolate differences between these groups. They project that overall non-Christian faiths will double in America by 2070, most by having children and raising them in the religion. The dramatic change, according to Pew, will come with the quote-unquote nuns. People say they don't have religious identity, though many still embrace some Christian beliefs and engage in various spiritual practices, are projected to rise from about 30% today to as much as 15% in 50 years. Modeling the future of religion in America is a new enterprise for Pew, but it has basically focused on landscape and religion in America, not trying to predict where, and where things will go. The picture the study paints, though, is not that different from what Pew and other religion researchers have been saying in recent years. I think people are hungry for hunger their hunger they're hungry for a sense of belonging that is also infused with factual evidence and when people don't experience that there's a mass exodus. That's my thoughts. Here's more. Public research public religion research institute form founder Robert P. Jones wrote an, obituary, wrote an obituary for white Christian Americans 2019 based on changing racial demographics and trends in religious disaffiliation. Gallup started regularly giving people the option to quote-unquote none on a religious preference question in 2008. The number of people giving that answer immediately started increasing. In 2012, he reported that nuns were quote on the rise, prompting scores of analysis on the phenomenon. Ryan Berger, a political science professor at Eastern Illinois University, wrote in his 2021 book, The Nuns, that there was a time when the religiously unaffiliated appeared to be no more than a resounding error. When they soon passed 10% of the population by 1996, crossed the 15% threshold a decade later, and managed to reach 20% by 2014. So as you know, I'm a member of the religiously unaffiliated. I'm one of the quote unquote nuns. When he downloaded the raw, raw data from the General Social Survey in 2018, the unaffiliated roughly equaled Catholics and evangelics. The unaffiliated like me roughly equal Catholics and evangelicals in size. Pew's new report does have a clear clearly identified mechanism driving the change. By isolating different demographic factors shows that declining Christian birth rates and non-Christian immigrants are not significant causes. The main reason is switching Christians decided they are not Christians anymore. This is mostly happens to people between the ages of 15 and 29 according to the report with an additional 7% of Christians disaffiliating from the faith at the age of 30 switching out has been happening steadily which didn't used to happen Kramer told CT Christianity today it used to be that if you met someone on the street and their father and mother were Christian if they were Christian too that's not always true anymore for about a third of people that's not true anymore as you know I don't practice any religion I grew up in Christianity though Pete does not, not have a theory about why more people are switching The research and to focus on the data, leaving explanations to others. Some, build on the work of the late sociologist Rodney Stark, have arguments caused by denominations growing more liberal. According to this argument, if a church emphasizes all the same issues and concerns as left-wing political activists, then there's no reason to do the extra work of belonging to a church. They point to shrinking mainline churches, the United Church of Christ, the first mainline denomination to embrace same-sex marriage lost more than 40% of its members in the 17 years after that decision. for example. Others have connected the trend to conservative politics, arguing the evangelical association with Republicans is driving people like me from church. The rise of the ex-evangelical moment and the uptick in the number of nuns in some election years is cited as evidence. It It could be that both left and right are having this effect, but Kramer cautions that the trend in the U.S. appears similar to what researchers have seen in other countries where... The political landscape looks completely different. Perhaps it's not the decision of churches driving a change but broader social developments. I would say both are true. Many sociologists, going back to Max Weber, have argued that secularization is inevitable as society advances. Globalization, industrialization, technology make it harder and harder for people to believe. The biggest change that's visible today, though, isn't really a rapid change of beliefs but affiliations. Atheists remain in the single digits in the U.S., even though atheists are steadily rising. But while many nuns affirm the existence of God and even pray, they don't want to be connected to a religious group or identity. And you have some nuns who, I don't do prayer, no existence of God, some say that. You know? We don't know what all is driving, as Kramer said. There are some theories that make sense, but we don't know. As the researchers charted the possible paths for the future, they tried to keep in mind what they did know and the data they didn't have extrapolating from trends doesn't account for the kind of dramatic events that shape generations. It is possible the report says that events outside the model such as war, economic depression, climate crisis change immigration patterns or religious innovation could reverse the current could reverse the re, reverse current religious switching trends. Revival could happen there's just nothing in the current data that indicates that it will mm. Christianity was doomed from the start. Ever since Constantine came along, merging church and state together, that's a big reason why more and more people are saying they used to be Christian.